we should be bored occasionally because if we're not bored then the sparks of creativity don't form in the same way and so we're so afraid of having boredom time or alone time or you know it's from the moment we wake up there's something going on for most people whether it's the radio alarm clock whether it's the 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 news feed or something and we don't sit and just understand that boredom Welcome to the Mindful Paths podcast with Nick Bay and Harry Kalimnios, where we explore the fascinating world of mindset, mindfulness, fitness, well-being, vitality, leadership, and of course, personal development. Our goal is to provide you with insights to help you live a more fulfilling, happier, and healthier life. So if you're striving to be a better parent, friend, leader, colleague, or boss, or if you simply want to be more mindful and aware of the world around you, then this Mindful Paths podcast is going to be for you. We invite you to eavesdrop on our conversations and we challenge you to discover a new insight to help you on your own journey towards personal growth and positive change. So sit back, relax, and let's begin our journey together on the Mindful Past podcast. Hello, mate. How you doing? Good I'm all right. We joined at the same time there, mate. We said hello at exactly the same moment. I'm good, mate. I'm good. Bit frazzled, been at this desk uh, all day, staring into this uh, tiny little camera, doing podcasts and Zoom meetings and everything else. So... A little bit brain fried today. So mm. I'm looking forward to a good conversation where you could re-energize the neurons, uh, get them thinking outside of my work uh, mode and into the world of mindfulness and uh, and, and mindful paths and, and and different ways of thinking. So uh, yeah, I'm well, excited about the conversation. How are you doing? I'm, I'm, I'm also a little bit tired. Um, I couldn't sleep last night, for which never really happens, but I'm literally in bed for like two hours, tossing and turning. I actually ended up, um, so I was doing a few of the techniques, right? Some breathing things. But the reason I was couldn't sleep is just because like, I was just had, um, I, this happens when I move places. So I'm, bu- I'm buying a place in, in Brighton soon. I'm thinking about all the things I could do it. But I remember when I moved into this place three years ago and I look at my aura ring from that July and the stats are quite off. And I, and I remember, cause I, I, I visualize a lot. I'm very good at visualizing when it comes to spaces what things go in and so i'm always thinking oh right i'm going to put this furniture there and that there and, and i'm always thinking and i was like i need to kind of calm off this so last night i put on um i've got this mega mix that i created from paul mckenna you know the hypno- hypnotherapy. Yeah, yeah yeah and i think i might have mentioned that i occasionally cut out the last 15 20 seconds when he wakes you up out of the meditation and what i did i stitched together about five of these many years ago so i've got this two and a half hour long mega mix that I put on on my phone, like really. A Paul low. McKenna mega mix meditation. Wow, that is, uh, that yeah, is something so it's, else. It's basically, I think, a mix of instant confidence, de-stress, make yourself smarter. Some so other this one. this sounds a little bit like what you told me not to do with a smoothie, right? Just because you have access to everything doesn't mean you should put everything in it. <laughs> all or nothing. All, all or nothing. Um, I don't usually do that one. I normally just do a half an hour one and then I drift off. But last night I thought, you know what? I've not done this for a few years now. Um, I'll do the two and a half hour one. And and so now I'm smarter, more confident, more <laughs> And And you've quit smoking as well. There we go. I quit smoking. Yeah, I think that's in there as well. I did everything. Um, but um, but yeah, a little bit tired because I've had a, a quite a tough day with uh, with the students. You know, not like the kids were fine, but... Yeah, I got to the school. It wasn't set up. We lost 20 minutes at the beginning of the day. Um, yeah, I won't go into it all, but so I'm pretty tired. Um, and I know that you are as well. And- well, I, I tell you what, I am because of something I did this week. So I bought um, 
for my sins. And we had this conversation in the last episode. So let's progress a little bit from the last one. So I was umming yeah. and ahhing as to whether I go mm-hmm. ahead and buy a PS5 knowing yeah. it's good. We all knew what I was going to do, right? I've gone and got one. Uh, and really frustratingly got it just before. Didn't even occur to me that Black Friday might mean this gets like 90 quid cheaper three days um, later. But anyway... Funny. Let's not go there. I bought the PS5. I've had some of that social time, although I have already, so not been disciplined enough, got myself a little bit in the doghouse by playing it, which wasn't a Wednesday. Uh, I played it yesterday. Dinner was ready, well, half eight. And I was playing with a friend of mine in Saudi Arabia. I thought, uh, what's that thing scheduled to play? He dropped me a quick message going, you're online. I was like, I've got like 15 minutes. Turns out I didn't have 15 minutes to play because I hadn't actually okayed this with any of my family. Disappeared for 15 minutes, which turned out to be more like 30 minutes. Uh, played, had lots of fun, and then came down to, uh, well, let's be, say, let's be fair, I hadn't communicated my error, hadn't asked for permission, not that I need to, but it's 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 a fair and nice thing to do, and um, not the best start. So I've had it for a couple of days and already got myself in the doghouse, and it's 100% my fault. So I own that. I, own that. I did apologize and own it. It was my error. Did enjoy though, however, um, the, the the community, the social energy I got from chatting to Bob online, many many miles away in Saudi Arabia, as he as we played uh, pro, uh, not pro, uh, FIFA on uh, on, on the PS Five. However, the reason where I was going with that is twofold. One is to tell the audience that I did go ahead and get it. Not that anyone's probably that bothered. B to say I've already fallen into the trap that I was trying not to do of being disciplined and getting myself in trouble for it. But linking it to sleep. Um, and it just occurred to me when you're talking about why you're tired. I've also had a couple of bad nights sleep, but the reason for it was because this is getting not recently, it's about three or four nights ago when I first got it. I was installing the PS5 and it's quite low down. And there's a shelf on the right hand side. And I was trying to put the, the uh, HDMI cable in the back and I completely forgot what shelf was there. And I turned fast, head caught the corner of the thing, very nearly knocked me clean out. The whole split my head open. So back of my head here, it's still pretty swollen. I had a headache for about, Two days post post whack, and it's kept me up for a couple of nights as well. I was at a conference just with a splitting headache. I think I gave myself a little bit of um, I don't know if it was not myself. I didn't knock myself unconscious, but certainly a little bit of mini concussion. I had a real splitting headache. It, it, literally yesterday, first day, it's gone. I had it for about forty eight hours, but I gave myself a monumental whack, and it's uh, it's still swollen. And um, maybe that was that was uh, something telling me the zen out there. Of, Buying this bad thing and get, telling me this is not going to work out well with a huge whack to the head, but um, yeah, no, I digest. I, I, but, um, so I think uh, I, we were talking a second ago about what we want to talk about, which I think um, was stemming from you sitting at your desk all day. But before that, I think at our last podcast, um, and we're, I don't think we're going to go into boredom necessarily now as a concept, although we, we did want to talk about it at some point, but you did say that you had a story I do. Yeah. I mean, it's not, it's not a good story. I'll be honest. I don't mind (laughs) sharing my flaws uh, with the audience because Hey, we're human, right. And to us to be human. And I've, um, I I did something without realizing the consequences. And if you're a parent, it's amazing that you you do it with, with innocence and you, you know, it has ramifications later. Now I'm probably building this up something bigger than it can be, but it has had uh, an impact on certainly my, daughter more than my son probably so I've kind of he was young enough for I stopped doing it but when I was growing up and you know we didn't have all the, the same kind of trappings that they have now to be distracted phones and all the other bits and pieces and we my parents would be like well get out of the house go and do what you need to do and often as kids sometimes you get bored and I grew up to the phrase only boring people get bored mm-hmm. and you were talking about maybe we'll talk about boredom this week and that's I said I'll have a story to tell and that was it so anyway 
my kids growing up, I did, for me, it was a flyaway comment. You know, ever so often the kids would go and say, bored, or can I do this? Not, you know, you kind of go, by only boring people get bored, and they're entertaining themselves, do this, but they do that. And it, about, I must, my daughter must have been nine or 10. She's 14 now, so it's probably four years ago. She she just broke down, had a massive breakdown. And because she thought that I thought she was boring, because she became afraid to tell me she was bored because she mm. thought that meant I would think she was boring. A hundred percent a problem of my own making. Um, absolutely did not want to have that impact on her. But of course, flyaway comments can have huge resonance yeah. um, and we can sit with them. And I know I, I told a story on this show before about the individual who forgot how to laugh because every time he laughed, a teacher would tell him off saying, what have you yeah. done now? Yeah. And he associated laughter with other people thinking he'd done something wrong and therefore laughter is bad. And of course, bury you bury that into your subconscious and you forget about it until you get triggered later on. Mm. And of course, and this this was for, I remember it so clearly, it was in the kitchen and my, my daughter just broke down, I didn't know what it was. And it turns out she was bored, but she was scared to tell me and she yeah. didn't know how to deal with it. And I felt dreadful. I remember trying to unpick what I'd said and saying, you know, I, I never meant this to have this huge this huge thing, which of course, if you think about it from her perspective, she may have had that thought multiple, multiple, multiple times over and been scared to tell it. And of course, when you don't tell something or you hold on to a secret, it grows within you. And as a parent, it's, it's um, others might listen and think it's not, you know, the, the comment in itself isn't a big thing, but the reaction to it in that moment for me was horrendous because you never want your yeah. kids to feel that that vulnerable or to feel that way and it was completely my fault um and i i think when you talked about boredom for me that has a different connotation and and, and there's a, a certain level of risk associated with using that word now as a term and i i still think if we feel bored though it's important we lean into it i, I do believe that and i do believe that um it's a it's a state of mind that we can you know it there's so much to appreciate in any one moment yeah. And so a, a totally different way of looking at it where I don't think boredom ever really needs to come in in the way that I come to understand the term. But as a kid, it's probably mm. a little bit too early to understand that viewpoint or even agree with it. And I think that was uh, something that as a parent I did uh, that was uh, really had an impact that I was not very proud of and, and, and was quite upsetting at the time. And was, well, years ago now we've moved on from it, but at the time it was difficult. Yeah, I mean, the thing is that Children, and I, I remember hearing someone say this, and I was like, you know, it's so true. But um, the, the way they describe it is children are meaning-making machines, right? They create meaning out of everything. So, for example, if you're having a conversation with your child and you're driving in the car and they're, they're there, then you've got your hands free and then the call comes through and then you answer that call when you're in that conversation with your child. Even though it's not intentional, maybe they might create the meaning, I'm less important than whatever sure. else than my dad's work or whatever else and so yeah that as a phrase only boring for people for book that's it's an interesting one because i think i've heard that before i'm also very careful when when i remember when like nieces or whoever say you know i'm bored and um, not to say something like that because again they associate they'll associate that with them being boring but more that I, I kind of try and frame it slightly differently and say, you know, there's always something interesting, right? If you can, if you look for it, right? Um, but what I wanted to say with boredom is that we should be bored occasionally because if we're not bored, then the sparks of creativity don't form in the same way. And so 
we're so afraid of having boredom time or alone time or you know it's from the moment we wake up there's something going on for most people whether it's the radio alarm clock whether it's the 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 news feed or something and we don't sit and just understand that boredom and i often think that if someone like leonardo da vinci was born now or if cell phones existed when leonardo da vinci's time he wouldn't have invented anything he wouldn't have invented anything because boredom makes us look to nature and look at things differently and understand how things work and then think okay i agree and we, we live in a, a, a world of distraction now right so it's it, it's more difficult for us to be in that state of mind uh of, of the way that you're you're positioning it now which i think is uh mm. is is really interesting i think um the way that I've always, I mean, you, you we were talking about boredom just off air a minute ago about being, um, and you worded it, you know, comfortable in, in I can't remember what the words were used. I'm sure you come to the audience in a moment. But the way I was going with this was the way that I have a mindset of is you should give everything 110% all of the time, right? And that includes recovery. So when you're not doing anything, do nothing. There's like, whatever you decide to do, this is the way that I try and do it. If I'm going to be into that state of, I'm going to give meditation a go or yoga a go, or, or I'm going to take a chance to take some time out. That should, I should try and go at that with as much effort as I would putting effort into something. Right? And it's, yeah. it's probably not a good way to be. It's just the way yeah. that I am. So if I'm into recovery mode, right, I'm into this meditation mode, there is literally no distractions. I'm in that a hundred percent until the next thing comes up. And I think um, boredom in that, in that instance is, I guess for me, it's, it's difficult, but, Thinking about what you, you mentioned there, to be, uh, you want boredom to be almost like something to achieve as well. well like, you want to be no, the best I, I think boredom. the way you positioned <laughs> it was interesting because you you highlighted whether you meant to or not that there's a massive social stigma that's that's connected with with being boring, right? And it's a shame that we've got to that point because. For some people, meditating would be boring to some and not to others, and doing nothing would be boring to some, not to others. And you use the Leonardo um, da Vinci, gone a bit tired here, um, example. But it's only bad because socially we've given that, and myself included, by using that statement with my kids growing up, we've given it a stigma of negativity. And it doesn't have to be negative. And I, I've talked to you before that if everyone suddenly decided that, you know, I use boredom in this instance now, if we suddenly decided that school for teenagers, that being bored was really, really cool, that just suddenly became the next really cool thing to be. You'd have people going, hey, I'm bored now, look how cool I am. And people would be they would think about that term in a totally different way yeah. to the way that socially we do now. And that's only because someone has changed the meaning of it to be from what we mean typically mean it to be now yeah. for the most not for all um to su- suddenly being cool and suddenly that teenage going yeah, i was bored yesterday man i was so cool i was really oh wow i can't believe you were bored yesterday oh i was really busy that's so i'm so jealous but that's because there's a different social stigma to it we need well, to try and change things is that when i go into schools i often talk about fail right and i say i want you to fail today right because and I talk about who fails more, like successful, unsuccessful people, et cetera. And then I talk about reframing the word fail as first attempt in learning or frequent attempt in learning. And it reminds me like about this re- reframing of those terms. When I was teaching uh, teachers uh, a while back, um, growth mindset, fixed mindset yeah. concepts. Yeah. Um, 
And one of the things I'm suggesting that they do in, in their classes is celebrate those failures, celebrate those things, because um, you might not know of this person, but Sarah Blakely, I think her name is. So she is a, so the founder of a shapewear brand called Spanx, like women's shapewear. I think she actually didn't take outside investment as well. So she's like, you know, worth billions and hasn't taken investment. And I think she's got a big break. I say big break by being on Oprah's favorite things, but there was a lot of stuff that went behind the scenes. She used to sell, um, I think it was photocopiers during the day and then try and sell her Spanx wear at night. Anyway, I remember hearing a podcast with her and she was saying how her dad around the dinner table would always ask her and her brother, what have you failed at today? And he would be upset if they couldn't come up with something they'd failed at because he was like, well, you weren't pushing yourself hard enough, right? It's a bit like the Arthur C. Clarke quote, which says the only way we can find the limits of the possible is to go into the impossible. So if you don't, you know, fall down enough, right? Like if you're skiing and you're not maybe falling, you're probably not pushing yourself to the to where you could get to. And I think that's what she what instilled in her is this it's okay to fail. It, you know, I need to have something to share every day that I wasn't successful at. And I think it's that reframing, right? Um, and also what you were talking about, oh, it's 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 bad to be boring. I want to make a distinction there for the listeners between boring and being bored, because a lot of the time people associate uh, a transient emotional feeling, right, boredom, with an identity. Being boring would be maybe an identity that someone has. Being bored is a transient emotional state that someone might have. And we do this all the time in all areas of our lives. We blur, we, we merge like stressed, right? I'm, I'm a stressed person, right? I'm always stressed versus I'm experiencing a moment of stress. Because once you identify with a certain way, right? I'm an insomniac versus I'm having trouble sleeping this last couple of weeks or whatever the thing is, you identify yourself with the thing, you latch onto it, it becomes a lot harder to, to release from that. Well, that links a little bit to the, uh, the, the the famous book, The Secret, albeit in reverse, Laws of Attraction. If we think one thing too often, that's yeah. what will end up coming to be, right? Um, I mean, yeah. I was talking about the law of attraction earlier, about an hour ago with my oh, hey, small world. Yeah, so we would do, and I, I thought we could talk about this uh, today, but I, I, we're not going to talk about it today. But we were talking about vision boards, um, and yeah. so maybe that's the time for another another discussion. But uh, we were talking about literally about the law of attraction. I did say in there how it might work in terms of it activates the reticular activating system, which is your your seek seeking part of your brain. Um, so if you, for example, wanted to open up a a gym. And you put that on your vision board to say, here's a gym, then your reticular activating system is going to automatically start seeing all the um, apart, not apartments, but shops that are for lease. Yeah, it's, that, it's the red, red Fiesta or the red Mazda, yeah. red Mazda. Yeah, red whatever Fiesta. it might yeah, be. Yeah. Um, so, but I was saying with the law of attraction, though, the word, the key words is action, right? Action and attraction. Yeah. And also, I, you can have all the vision boards you like, but you've got to yeah. make and, the changes. To I, make like, I like the ATT before action, like the attraction, always take tremendous action. So I I, I like my acronyms and abbreviations and all these. Um, uh, what, what did you call the other one? That BMW An initialism. Initialisms, right? So A, attraction is always take tremendous action. So it doesn't just come to being, but... um. But anyway, you were talking a minute ago though about the, um, which I thought was quite interesting. You gave a quote, uh, always find the uh, possible in the impossible. or something Yeah, like the only way of finding the limits of the possible is to delve into the impossible, something like that. Reminded me of the, um, I used to have it on our website because we had, a, initially when we set up our business, we kind of used Albert Einstein 
Um, mm. And the idea, the premise being, you know, the, the, the famous, uh, although there's there's contentious whether he actually said it, but doing the same thing over and over again is the, you know, mm. um, and the idea you expect a different result. We had that and the idea that if you keep using the same kind of recruitment firm, you know, nothing's going to change to so work with us. And that was, that was kind of, we had Einstein on our website. But when we had that, we had different quotes that would come up on the kind of homepage each time you visited the site. And there was one of them, which was in the middle of every difficulty lies opportunity, mm. which again can be, if you link that to what you were saying at the start with Leonardo da Vinci, right? If you, if, if he was in that moment bored um, without labeling him boring, but bored and was finding that difficult, as you say, that, that, that might be where he discovered the opportunity or got that creativity to, 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 to work his way forward. Um, I quite yeah. like that as an Albert Einstein quote. I see. And I, I just think like sometimes, we need to lean into that board and we need to lean into into things like that and it, it might be just just to even notice <laughs> how you feel for example uh, the other day i was queuing up at the post office because i wanted to um send something back from amazon and i actually had, had this intention going in but then when i went in there i realized that you don't really get signal on your phone in that area of the post office which, which could be a bit inconvenient because i can't pull up the the qr code that you need to to send the thing back so i always have to have it ahead of time but i was i had the intention of keeping my phone in the in my pocket whilst waiting and just to observe and just to be bored and just to look at the things around me because so this might be an invitation to the listeners is is don't reach for that phone straight away when you're queuing up for two seconds to to order your coffee look and that's not like you're going to be bored in that two seconds but just sit with not reaching for something all, all, all of the time and just being and observing and maybe being a bit bored in the queue, right? And that way you don't have to do it for like five hours and be bored somewhere, right? You're just doing it for five minutes somewhere. So um, let, me, let, me ask you, let me ask you a question. Uh, yeah. I don't know. You, you, for whatever reason, you've been caught doing something you shouldn't be and or, or maybe it wasn't you, but you end up in solitary and confinement, right? So four, four yeah. walls, no windows, and what you know? How how do you how do you approach that situation? How long until you think it would start to come on a little bit unbearable? Uh, what know, kind of things would you do to try and entertain you know, your your time? You know something, Nick. I don't know if I've shared this with you. I'm not, I'm not sure if I should share this with you. Oh, you mean your twelve day? Well, no, you don't need twelve day. No, uh, no, no, no. The time, right? I don't have to imagine this, right? Um, the time I got arrested. Did I yeah. have I told you about that time? In, You've in, told me about the time you got arrested. Yeah. Yeah. In you, you didn't tell me you were put in solitary though. That might be a, another step. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, effectively, so um, I won't go into the details of how and why I got arrested because it's a bit of a longer story. But needless to say, a friend, a good friend of mine, there was three of us out in Cairns and uh, we got arrested, um, which about four o'clock in the morning this was. And we thought, I thought, OK, it's not bad because the train is not coming for another few hours. And that was the whole point. We were like looking for somewhere to chill. But we got arrested and my one of my friends escaped. Um, I won't go into too much details. And then my friend and I, we, we got taken in by the French police. And we, you know, it was quite a bit horrific in a way, right? It was strip search, like, and then we were both thrown into individual cells where there was just walls. You couldn't see anything. The only thing I could see to, to show that I had someone somewhere is if I peeked out like the tiny little hole that they had in the door, I could see my mate's shoes in, in the <laughs> thing. But we were there for ultimately ended up being a whole day right from four in the morning till about seven eight o'clock at night and i did realize at that point this was years before i was meditating so this was back in 2008 or nine this happened so it's before i was meditating 
But I did realize that you can run out of thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the one thing I remember taking away is that I ran out of thoughts. So we're establishing is in less than 24 hours, you were done. You were done. I was, I was done by I was done in like three hours or something. I was like, I was like, it was almost like meditating in a way, because I was like, oh. I've thought because there was nothing I've, there. Was, I've had this thought. I was like, yeah, but you can do kind of do workouts. You've got uh, no, you I've can't. actually got a, a book called the cell, the cell, the cell block workout book where the guy was literally locked up and wrote, wrote an exercise book about it. It's quite interesting. But even then, you can't do everything all the time, all day. No, just, I mean, you know. it was literally just sitting there. I mean, there was a whole thing going on because you didn't get seen uh, until much later by I think we got seen by a doctor to make sure they were adhering to whatever Geneva Convention stuff or whatever. Uh, we got given like a biscuit at like four or five hours in to show that we've been fed. It was anyway, it's a story for another time. But um, <laughs> but I do remember just being there going, oh, I've just had no thoughts for the last few minutes. Right. And I, and and you are in solitary because there, there was no bars. There was no windows. There was, you know, there was there was nothing there. It was just like a, a, a floor. And, and walls and, and that was it um so yeah i don't have to imagine it that much in fact i don't want to imagine it anymore <laughs> i've brought a bit of emotional memory there for you I, I, well, I, you know france is on my destination list uh anytime soon um <laughs> it, was, it was a tricky time i think we had it been in the uk something like that happened we we would have stuck it out a little bit longer in terms of we we ended up having to sign something and pay some money um, to admit that we've done something when we hadn't, but because once you, the problem is once you get into the system, it's really hard to get out. Right? Mm. When, you're, when you're arrested for something, it's really hard to get out. Um, and so, yeah, in the end, we just kind of did it because of the language stuff and, and whatever else. But um, yeah, so but it's a it's an interesting story that I think I've shared maybe on my Toastmaster journey once um, to to the audience. There, I know we shared I shared on Toastmasters our our journey on the the maps and the the cycling. Yeah, for sure. I also shared that that story once, but. Uh, yeah, so um, yeah, don't have to imagine that. So you you termed it when we when we just before we jumped on uh, to the call today. Uh, I said, you know, did you want me to mention the story? You're like, yeah, and you said, well, let's not talk about boredom. Let's talk about and you called it something else, and I can't for the life of me remember what it was. So uh, I'll let you take the floor on what you wanted to discuss. <clears throat> oh no, so I think this was because you said to me, you've been sat at your desk all day. You've been in the, in the, in the desk all day, and I think I talked about being actively an active sedentary. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I wanted to talk about this because, and this is actually interesting. I, I've come on to my standing desk now, so I'm, I'm standing. I could do the same here to be honest. I've been really lazy. I've got a standing desk. I think the first yeah. month of having it, I stood all the time. And I don't think I've put it into standing mode more than once. But I have had it once, but only Honestly, once in the last four I don't. I, I don't often put mine into standing mode except for, for certain work or if I feel like I'm... Tell you what, may, maybe I'll shift it right here, right now. Uh, yeah, you, do you it. Crack do on, it I'll I'm, try and change I'm my speaking. desk. So, yeah, because you said that you've been sat all day, and and I and I have a question for you in a second. We're moving, but, we're moving. Oh, yeah. Um, because you said you've been sat all day. Oh, as is and yeah. there's a term called active sedentary, which means... A lot of people, they, they, you know, they go to the gym, they work out a lot like you. And I say to the, I say to people, look, if you imagine a, a day, a typical day for people, they tend to be sat down or lying down for a huge amount of it. For example, there might be eight hours at work. There might be eight hours in bed. That's 16 hours. There might be an hour commuting each way. That's 18 hours. They might have an hour at their desk for lunch. That's 19 hours. Then there might be a, a half an hour for dinner and breakfast. That's 20 hours. And then maybe a couple of hours watching um, TV or being online in the evenings. That's about 22 out of 24 hours. 
that people are sedentary. And so if you're someone who is, oh, but I go to the gym all the time and you go to the gym every day, you're still inactive for 21 of those like 24 hours. So you're only about 4% less sedentary than the person sedentary. And this is what I would term as active sedentary is that there's they're the weekend warriors, they're the people that go to that spin class every lunchtime w- without fail, but then they're sat down or in a car or on a tube the rest of the time. And I actually often think that's almost in a way worse, not, not to say don't go to the gym. It's just because because you're sat down all the time and then you do go to the gym, obviously you might work hard at that gym, but your body isn't necessarily ready for it and used to it. I would much rather people are active throughout the day. Now, when you sit down, I, I think in the, in my book, I, I quote the study, so I may get it slightly wrong, but effectively, after about a, an hour of sitting, you have about 50% less blood flow going to the femoral artery, so the leg artery, than if you just get up and move. And when they did the study and they looked at people moving at 30 minutes, I think 60 minutes, 90 minutes, if you moved at least once that hour, you didn't get that 50% blood flow reduction. If you didn't, you got less blood flow. And so many people, myself included sometimes, unless I put a timer, I will sit sometimes, especially if I'm doing a presentation or writing or something, I might sat, sit for an hour. That's 50% less blood flowing to various aspects of your body. And then if you sat there for three hours, let's say from nine till 12 or nine till 12.30, then you go to lunch and then you're doing like, you know, your leg day and you're doing all these things. It's actually probably not a great idea, right? So my thing is I'd much, much, much rather someone is moving throughout the day and doing things throughout the day. So my question to you was going to be, I know you do a lot of running, but you don't do that necessarily every day. But let's take away the running aspect. What number of steps would you say you do it in a day, taking away your runs? Really? I don't monitor my steps in there. I look at my little arm and that's what's on the uh, I've made a prediction. My prediction would be 6,000-ish. Six? Yeah, that lot. No. <laughs> um, but not unexpected. Not unexpected for someone that works from home and uh, and you I take... Mean, today I've done 3,000 steps. Is that from your Garmin or from your phone, no? My Garmin. And has that been on your wrist the whole day? Yeah. 3,000 steps? Yeah, they're not very many. Okay, so this is my point, right? This is my point. You are like the fittest person I know, right, by far, and you're super active, right? But take away that two, well, 10-mile run that you do each day or five-mile run or whatever it is, uh, and you don't do the, those things necessarily. Then so, 3,197 steps, but uh, I would count that in terms of my exercise daily intake. I've also done a 90-minute um, hit workout, and I've done a 30K bike ride. Yeah. That was all done before I started work. So that was starting at half uh, past six, finished at half past eight. What I would say is, for me personally, my personal, and actually I'm about to hit it any second because I'm on 11,999 steps. So it's 12,000 steps a day, not including exercise. Yeah, we do very different jobs, dude. I mean, I, I would, I've been yeah. more representative of an office based worker. So so much you can. I mean, I can walk around more in the day. You're not going to get. It's not going to be 7,000 more steps. And people um, it, it, can be, it can be. It can be. Like, for yeah. example, on days that I'm not, like when I'm working in, in front of people, I know that in that classroom, I'm doing around 8,000 just in that classroom. And then the others come elsewhere. I know that when I do my morning kind of movement stuff that I do, I do about 3,000. 
Uh, I know. That's not excellent. That's not my. It's not my structured yeah. exercise. That's my waking the body. That's like going for a walk. Okay. Yeah, uh, I don't think it's quite the same. I think you'd have to get a weekly snapshot to make this more accurate. I think. Um, I mean, look, you, you have a way more mobile job than the majority of the workforce that all people listen to. Well, this is what I'm saying. Get up and move every hour. Walk up and down two flights of steps or something, because. I still think, right, regardless, because I remember my mate who lives in Devon as well. He came to visit me and we were looking at his step count. This was a few years ago. And I think he he averages somewhere between three to five thousand steps a day. Um, now, I know that the 10,000 step number is arguable in terms of how it came about. And it came about through a, a pedometer. And uh, But the evidence is super clear uh, up to about 10 or 12,000 steps. Beyond that, it doesn't really make a huge amount of health differences but anything above six is, is going to be way better than lower but eight is better than six and ten is way better than eight but you do want to be getting in my, my personal thing for my clients it would be twelve thousand is what you would, would be looking for now yeah you could include like a jog or, or something like that maybe for that um but it's interesting when that's taken away. This is why I'm saying the active sedentary. So when you're taking that away from your daily routine, suddenly you're going from that 15,000 down to four or five. That's not healthy in the long term. So this is what I would say. I don't think it's accurate. I mean, look, it's difficult because I'm happy to accept that if I did 10,000 steps, I'm doing 3,000 steps. Your microphone is sounding different at the moment when you came. Oh, I've moved the desk. I've probably just unplugged it. I've switched mic. Hold on a second. I'll get that back. Because it sounds different. No, maybe when I move my desk. Yeah, I did. I've unplugged my microphone whilst I'm doing my desk in two seconds. Yeah, I just wanted you to know that before you uh, gave your... Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I've managed to uh, intelligently, whilst doing this, unplug the mic. Can you see that? that? So it's about the edits. We won't know. Yeah, that's better. That's better. Got it back? Okay. Yeah. Cool. So, um... I would say, like, obviously, everything you've said, I can't, I can't really challenge it in terms of obviously doing ten thousand steps is better than three. But I, it's, you know, and there'll be people that only do three that don't do what I do in the morning. However, sometimes it's for some people, it's just not, it's not possible to do twelve thousand steps a day depending on what they do. You know, they have other commitments. I mean, I, I think if you were to look at a snapshot shot of fitness, steps is just one element of it. So, to go back to what I've done today, three thousand one hundred. I know you said isn't enough, but then I've done. An hours, an hours worth of cycling, and I've done ninety minutes worth of hit workout, uh, and collectively, if you added all that together, I would argue that actually what I've done this morning is better than someone who hasn't done the first bit, but has just done ten thousand steps. I mean, jury's out, right? I think um, it, it might be better for your exercise is is good. I need be um, performance, but not necessarily because the the reason why I like saying something ten or twelve thousand steps is because it's it's actually hard to do. Unless you go like yesterday, I went for a walk around the park. I probably did about twenty thousand steps yesterday, but it's hard to do in one go. Which means if you're doing twelve thousand steps, in my mind, it means that you're moving regularly, right? Yeah, yeah. but it's not. Which is better than There's... like being the active, the active sedentary, which is what we're talking about, where you do your your thirty minute watt bike thing, which is you know great cardiovascular, does all these other things, but then you're you like you said, you sat at your desk all day you maybe don't have the same energy and vibrancy that you Yeah, you're, you're, you're probably right. I don't think there's anything here that I'm disagreeing with you on. I think yeah. I'm in full agreement. But um, I, I guess the, the, the counter would be if I could get 12,000 steps in and still do all the stuff that I've had to do today, I would have probably done it. I mean, you know, I'm like, if there's an opportunity to do exercise, I tend to take it. 
Um, there's a chance to go for one lunchtime, I'll take it. If there's a chance to go for a swim, I'll take it. Um, well, there's not always those opportunities. Have you considered like amazing. a walking, a walking de- treadmill desk? That's what I've been thinking about for a number of years. I, I haven't taken it on board because, like, like um, you've said, I have quite an active job, and I'm in a position where I probably don't need that to get my twelve thousand. But if I was, if I was tied to my desk, like many people are, and they're working from home. I would definitely consider something like a treadmill desk. Yeah, it's look, great for everything, but it can be good for like if you're these, like. These, with, I'm not saying these things aren't good. I used to have a. Um, I, I just, I've still got it. It's in the shed outside, but it just didn't really get used. I had one of those things where you could cycle under your desk, and literally, oh. what you get it from Argos, and it counts just it counts your steps and your your step of things, and you you can sit and use it. In reality, it didn't really get used. I would have made too much noise. And the, the treadmill things are fine, and I know they're there, but it it'll seem a little bit superfluous to the. I mean, you might argue it wouldn't because I'd use it. But I've got a treadmill next door. Like you can have too much fitness equipment in your house. Sometimes an office just needs to be an office. And I've got this a... isn't a fitness equipment though. This would not. I wouldn't call it fitness equipment. I would call no, it. But we're, call we're, it we're, we're talking perfect world, endless budget. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah fine. But, but even if reality, even when if, I, I live on doing podcasts every day, so I've done three podcasts today. Like you can't be doing those things on a on a on a walking treadmill, right? It's it's um, not. It's not. Well, I mean, this guy maybe this show. This one's a little bit different. This guy who wrote this "How Not to Die" book, uh, he always does his podcast interviews on a treadmill, which I find quite irritating, to be fair. But really? um, well, yeah, but that's understandable. He has his book is called "How Not to Die." My <laughs> podcast is called "The Paywall Podcast." I don't think it's quite as relevant. But I <laughs> hey, guess guys, the point I'm trying to make with all this, and the point I'm trying to make with all this, and and it, and it stems from a bit of a conversation I was having with this. Um, fund manager the other day actually um who actually incidentally enough uh you know we were talking about high rocks the other day yeah he's he's signed up for high rocks um but he's tweaked something and then he's he was doing a partner thing and he's tweaked something so i don't know if you're around london next weekend i might do it but i i'm gonna have to walk the the the, the running part because i can't run the ak yet but um anyway it's only 1k it's eight times one you can do one. yeah but yeah yeah but i i i i'm not i'm not that position that i'm gonna even do the eight times one i don't think but um anyway He's tweaked something in him and the other guy who is tweaked something. And he's quite fit, right? He showed me some of his uh, moves. He can do things that I can't do mobility-wise, like pistol squats and dragon squats and all these crazy things with the knees. But, you know, he's a bit like you in that he's a bit all or nothing with, with certain things, right? He's a fund manager, the head of this thing. So he he, he goes for it. But it, it's, a, it's a familiar story that I've seen is that people are – into that sport, right? They're into their high rocks, they're into their triathlons, they're into this, but then they're spending a huge amount of time being sedentary. This is why I'm saying that it's actually maybe not detrimental, but it's you get a false sense of security, I believe, when you're yeah, look, again, you're I probably agree with in those, I get loads of little injuries. I get loads of little injury tweaks. I got I tweaked my calf the other day, you know, because you're you're sedentary and then you go running and these things happen, right? I don't think there's anything you've said, Howie, that I disagree with. I mean, look. I think um, I try and optimize every aspect of my life. I'm sure I could optimize it further if I went and did 12,000 steps every day. I just think like anything, we 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 have to have the awareness to make choices. So I'm very aware that I, I don't get my 10,000 steps in. I don't have, I've never, I, well, I'm also very aware that I don't count my steps, never had. Um, I kind of have a um, an inner, uh, I don't know, barometer or measure on whether I'm feeling fit, whether I'm not, whether I'm doing the things that I need to do for me. That's not to say 10,000 sets wouldn't be helpful, but I'm trying to pack a lot of different things in to the way that I optimize mm. the life that I live. And that's not and that's, whether that's nutrition, whether that's work, whether that's these podcasts, whether it's something else. And I think for me to fit that in, something would have to, to go. Um, 
And the way that I work personally, it's a personal choice for everybody. That be, I mean, I've got my, one of my closest friends in the world, like his only mission of the day, and I kid you not, is to get his 10,000 steps in and he walks everywhere. He mm. doesn't need to work because he's, he's very fortunate that it, what he does is, has been very successful. And he's, he has the privilege of being now probably a little bit less than he was a stay-at-home dad. But before that, he had a, a, probably two, three years where he has just hasn't had to work. So in order to get out of the house, he makes sure as a, religiously he gets his yeah. 10,000 steps in. Fair play. You know, it, it's great to be mobile. It's really good for him, good for his health, good to be moving. Um, and I could probably find elements in the day where I could add a few steps. But I think the difference between going from 3,000 to 10 to 12,000 in my working day in the way that it's set up at the minute whilst trying to fit in the other bits that I do and be a dad at the end of it. I just don't think it's um, it's realistic for a Monday anyway. But then we, we've taken a snapshot in time of today. Yeah. And again, I think this will be the same for most people that listen. So tomorrow the steps will be higher because we got, I go bowling with my daughter every single Tuesday yeah. after work. I mean- from a Thursday, Friday, we go to tennis. So I'm out the house. Monday's the only day where I'm, I don't leave the house for anything. Every other day I have a parental commitment, which will automatically increase the step take. Some days I will not do much. Like say a typical, not a typical Sunday, but a Sunday where I'm not doing much. I, I somehow still, without leaving the house and often without even getting on the rebound, I still manage 8,000 steps somehow in, yeah. in the house without leaving the house. I don't know how. I, I, I'm always someone that's moving in the house for some reason. I think the point I'm I'm trying to make is for those listening, it's like the awareness is the important bit. So whilst like there's there's two sides to health, there's the optimum in terms of getting blood flow and getting the cardiovascular system working and, and, and the fitness and all those things that we've, we've talked about. And there's no doubting that all that stuff isn't really, really good for you, right? But there's an element here where we can also lay too much pressure on ourselves to do everything. And I think that we make we make choices with awareness. So I, I'm very aware that on a Monday, if I don't get that stuff done in the morning, I'm not, I'm not going to be glued to my desk on a Monday. It's just the way that I've set up my life to be. And I'm I'm quite happy with that. I think if I added the pressure on and layered it now on top of everything I've already got to fit in on a Monday to then get in 10,000 steps as well, I actually think it'd be it would be the op- it wouldn't be optimal, it'd be the opposite for me. I think yeah. it would actually add a layer of stress that's unnecessary and unneeded. And I think it would that if you if you overlay, if you take on too many things onto your back, eventually something breaks. And I think it's it's not always a physical thing, it's a stressful thing. So you can take on, you can try not you can try and over-optimize. I think as long as you're doing things with awareness. So I'm aware that tomorrow I'm going to do something with my daughter. I'm aware Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we have different things that go on. And um I think for me it's it, it's it's I'm pretty happy with the way that's set up at the minute. I'm 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 pretty good. Um, so let me let me kind of offer a different perspective for listeners as well, because a couple of things is one, when I talk about so firstly, this whole conversation started on active sedentary. So that this is what I'm defining as active sedentary, someone who is, you know, that gym, gym bunny, what weekend warrior, whatever, but then spends a large portion of their day sure. sedentary. And for me, that movement is not about the cardiovascular or any of those, right? It's about actually by and large energy right because you tend to feel more energized you'll come to the end of the day feeling more energized but also um you know you every time you move you're reducing the cortisol that that might be being built up from like the emails coming through and everything else the other thing that i want to say and and this is i guess goes to your way of thinking in a way is you said for argument's sake today it's three thousand steps and so well i would feel stress going to ten thousand firstly i never said go from three to ten and what I would say to people who are sitting at 3,000 a day because they get in the car, they go to work, or they, they're not they're not commuting anymore, because this has happened to loads of clients of mine where they're not commuting anymore. And I said, well, you know, do that 
10 minute walk before you get to your desk. Um, go from three to whatever, three and a half, right? And see how that rides out. And then, and then if that rides out nicely, then, you know, a few weeks time, you go from three and a half to four. Right? Yeah, and I, don't, I don't disagree with any of that. It's that's the theory of marginal to, gains, right? And marginal improvement. Yeah, and you, you start to make. integrate and then you start to figure out, oh, you know what, actually, you know what? If every time instead of going to the toilet on the ground floor, I go to the toilet on the first floor when I when I need to the toilet, I actually get a little bit more in. In you know, and, and it's those little things because well, if you're in London, never take an escalator, take the steps. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what I teach in my workshops is about integration, right? How can you integrate the thing that you want to do into what you're already doing, and to make it part of your life? Because I I do go to the gym. I like going to the gym. You like working out. It's all it's all good fun. But the reality is, no one really needs to because you could actually do almost everything you want anyway, right? Whether it's finding a, a, a branch to do a pull up off or push ups or whatever, if that's what your your bag is, or going two or three steps every every time instead of one step at a time to work your legs. So there's a playground around you of ways that you can be active and move. So no one needs to really do. I mean, you could spend five minutes every hour doing something if you wanted. And sometimes I do that. Often I don't. But sure. the point I'm trying to make is, is how can you integrate that movement in so that you're not the active sedentary or you're not the pure sedentary? Um, and, yeah, if you're at 3,000, yeah, maybe you, you look to go to three and a half. You know, for me personally – I don't get caught up. I don't get stressed if I'm not hitting 10 or 12,000 steps because I know by and large I do. Like, But when I have a Sunday and I've gone 8,000, I know that for a lot of the time, if I don't hit 12,000 steps a day roughly, um, I will actually not sleep as well, right? Because my brain is busy and it wants to burn up energy. Yesterday, I, I couldn't sleep for other reasons and I probably did 22, 24,000 steps in a day. Um, but that would be an excessive day. My typical number I mean- is... 13 14 there's not there's nothing again i'll, I'll reiterate that you've said i don't disagree with i mean um we often teach the things we most need to learn right so if i had a coaching client and i would probably be looking at their day and i'd seeing if i could fit in if, if that was an issue for them being such i'd probably be saying and giving exactly the same advice that you have um so there's nothing i don't think there's anything in, in there i just think i wanted the, the audience to be to understand that it's doing everything with awareness it's important so if you if you feel like that 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 sedentary lifestyle or that you're at your desk for too long and you, you have an opportunity to do those things, take Harry's advice full hearted and, and see if you can mix it up. You know, if take the steps instead of the escalators, make those mini adjustments, yeah. do those things to optimize, but don't well, even the standard desk we've been talking about, right? Because you yeah, tend, yeah. I mean that's a great example, Because right? that's something I could do fidget, every day. Like, I'm fidgeting, I have it, I have it here and I don't yeah. use it. I'm <laughs> so that's a, a great more. example that I could do. Yeah. Like, and this is actually why I wanted to have it standing up today talking because. I was, I told you before the call, I'm feeling a bit like I, I got like five hours sleep last night. I'm used to getting eight hours and I've had this busy day and I came back. I'm quite tired. If I was doing this call, sat down right now, I think we'd have a very different call. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew that ahead of time, again, talking about what you said, awareness. I'm aware that I'm feeling a little bit low. What can I do to optimize that? Right. Make sure I've got my water, right. So that I'm hydrating, make sure I'm up on my, on my feet so that I'm having to move a little bit. It's going to give me more energy. And that's fine. And, and that's fine. That works for me. But it is that awareness where I'm thinking, okay, I, I need to move. Or I need to shake things up a little bit to have more energy for this call. You know? Um, yeah. Couldn't, 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 couldn't agree with more with any of that stuff. I've got a 4.30 start tomorrow, which I'm dreading because that's pretty, yeah. I don't mind getting early starts, but early starts. And it, uh, 
uh, to your point, an early start to get in a car for three hours on the way to, to Solihull. So, uh, yeah, not, not 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 the most exciting start to tomorrow's yeah. morning. I honestly can't drive. I, I come out of a car if I've been in the car for, like, longer than an hour. And, like, my legs just don't work, right? They just <laughs> do not work. And this is – and get, this goes back to, I think, what we were talking about uh, – we were talking about values once, maybe, and knowing your values, and it drives your decisions. And yeah. I've always made choices subconsciously and sometimes consciously – about the jobs I'll take based on the proximity or, or how I can get to the place. And I will always try and like do something that I can move to get there because I, I would never be a truck driver, nothing against truck drivers or, or, or a cab driver or an Uber driver if I could help it because I just can't be sat like that. And my legs will just not work. I get out of a car at a service station and I have to do some stretching or have, or I just can't walk to the to the toilets or something like that. So I just don't, I, I, yeah, I couldn't do three hours. And you might know this. So you mentioned truck drivers. I'll, I'll, I'll take us on a deviant point. I, I'll deviate the point. But um, and I, don't, I remember exact science, but I read this report and I remember it being really, I found it really interesting. Where truck drivers, particularly the, the long haul truck drivers, mm. um, often have or struggle with strokes or heart problems, things like that. And it's not not necessarily in relation to not being sedentary, which isn't where I was going with this. But it's related, and you might know more about this than I do, Hope, but it's related to the fact that they get every single day, they, they're typically exposed to a potential situation on the road, which causes them to have an adrenal response. Mm. So it might be a suddenly have to break, didn't someone cut up on them, whatever. And they get it happens, and they're all micro. They're not necessarily yeah. major events, yeah. but little micro things that happen. And when you're long hauling and you're doing these things for sort of 8, 10, 12 hours a day, whatever it is they're driving for, there's a stack of what I welcome at the name of the graph is they have us, but they you know, make sure they have enough rest and those things. Yeah. But when it ha- you have these little mi- minor adren- adrenal rushes that constantly happen on a continual basis, eventually it causes a level of stress in the body. And it, it also um, impacts the way that your body responds with adrenaline as well. Yeah. It leaves it more, more freely and, and then less so when you really need it. But it causes a lot of health problems later yeah. on. And it's, it's, I thought I just thought the, um, was a really interesting well, I haven't heard observation that, to know that something so small over a period of time can have oh, such a health uh, health impact. I mean, I've got a graph in my in my new book actually, which is somewhat similar to what you're talking about. But if you think about it, it it's not really that. I don't know that study, but it's not surprising at all because if you've got an adrenaline, like these stresses that are coming through, like someone cutting you up on traffic, delays, et cetera, et cetera. Just like we are not truck drivers, let's say, but for us, the equivalent would be. You know, maybe someone cutting us up on the way into work, but also getting that email, getting that text message, getting that tap on the shoulder. All these micro stresses build up, and and I think they're greater on the road because they're life and they're instant. They are, but my my point is to kind of equate it to people who are maybe not truck drivers. But there's all those micro stresses that ultimately build in that. Now, if you don't release that, all of those are effectively either micro or major fight or flight responses. When you get a fight or flight response, it says it in the word, right? You, you're, you're supposed to fight or flight because that fighting or that movement reduces the adrenaline, the cortisol and everything else. And okay. so even though truck drivers are told to rest every two hours, that might be then lying in the, in the cab or, or you know, going and getting uh, some food. 
I actually think I just come up with this now. I think it would probably be better to prescribe, you know, in the in that rest time, you have to do like 500 steps or you have to do a uh, thousand steps because that movement is going to reduce those, that adrenaline, that cortisol and everything else. And I suspect it would yeah, have- probably right there. Maybe that's the cure. Maybe we've, we've found a place to. <laughs> yeah. So every, every time you break, you've got to do the thousand steps before you yeah. down or something like that. Um, I reckon that would be life changing. I honestly do. It probably would. It probably would. I don't know if there's a solution to the micro. Uh, adrenaline adrenal response because those things will continue to happen on the road but as you say it gives a chance for the body to recover before yeah. the next time they get well, back in supposed to have those things anyway we yeah. are supposed to have we are supposed we are designed to be adaptive to stress the point is that we're supposed to have the stress peak the downtime stress peak then release but we don't if we're not moving yeah. we not moving and and breathing can help dissipate it as well um of course but but movement would be would be uh effective as well so and that's the thing we don't we're not used to that whereas before we would always be moving so we wouldn't even have to think about this as a thing because we wouldn't have had cars right even if we're on a horse we're always moving right or whatever it might be so yeah maybe that's why uh, i'm not going to generalize a lot of truck drivers here but they always seem to be looking pretty angry when a when you go past them they're just constantly in a state of anger i get i get angry this is another reason why i choose not to drive when i can help it because i get frustrated and i get angry and i think i don't even do it that much imagine if i was driving every day to work and sometimes i do have to drive to work and i hate it right because I, I'm obviously we're in I'm in London, so the driving is you know stop start eleven miles an hour, yeah. etc. Cetera, et cetera. So it's so frustrating, and I think if I did this all the time, I I would be a very different person. I would be a very different person if I was to drive every day for what I needed to do. Very different. Couldn't do it. I, I honestly can't. This is why I invested in the electric bike because I was like, I need to do those distances and with a heavy bag. I need a solution because I I know what I would be like. And you're out in the air, out in nature. I don't know. I mean, it's I always, and then you London, have a stressful but... day, and I know the worst thing. I I don't want to go from a stressful classroom into a car into traffic. No, that's terrible for me. Terrible for me. I'd rather as be much on... as you can have all the mindful techniques to deal with it. You don't always want to be reminded of those mindful techniques every single day. Right? And I know Knowing you've got to delve into that every single day. Is is a is a my body wants to move after something like that, even though I might have done. 12, 10, by the time I leave the school, I'm probably running at about 12,000 steps. I still want to move. I still want to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it looks like I need to go and walk around my house yeah. for, for 10,000 steps uh, to, to, uh, to, to appease the, the house. Yeah, walk uh, until 4.30 in the morning. <laughs> no, as well, to be fair, mate, right now, if I want to lay it in, there's no excuses. My wife's just returned home. Uh, I guess it's dinner about half, well, about now. Well, uh, to be honest, maybe, uh, you spent uh, the last 15, 20 minutes on your feet Anyway, now that's something that was fair. So, um, despite my uh, my challenging back on the step piece on a Monday, this is no excuses well, for not standing at, at my desk because right. my desk does it. When I looked I at my watch a little while ago, I said I'd done eleven thousand nine hundred ninety nine steps. Now I don't know if this is actually properly steps or not, but now it's saying twelve thousand six hundred six. So. <laughs> So it I turns out you're actually doing 3,000 a day. you just got a gammy watch. Well, you know what's interesting? <laughs> You've done 600 watch, whilst being my, on this podcast. My watch and my ring always tell me different things. My watch tells me slightly more than my ring. I'm teasing. Shall I see? Well, I'll tell you what. My, my, I've been uh, stood up. Let me see if my uh, my step is 3,197. I have been stood. I haven't done any steps to my knowledge while I've been stood here. Let's see if they've increased or if my garments are more accurate. What do you reckon? Do you reckon it's gone up? Do you reckon it's remained the same? Um, it looks like you're looking at your phone though, right? So I am because my Garmin links to my phone. Oh, it's linked. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, so it was three thousand one hundred and something before, right? One hundred ninety-seven. I think you're probably at three thousand three hundred and forty. 
Nope, I'm at 3,247. So I've added 50 steps while I've been stood here, apparently, which probably is true. I'm a drummer, right? So I do tend to kind of do this as I'm stood up, which right. I'm going side to side. Maybe they're, maybe they're adding up. I'm not too there sure. we go, yeah. 50 steps in 15 minutes. That's, that, that would be 200 in an hour of standing. There you go, mate. There you go. I, I stand corrected. I bow down to your greater wisdom. No pun intended. It's not about walking around the desk. It's about standing at it, which I have I have no excuses not to do, to be fair. Uh, so uh, yeah. I need to get back into that frame of mind. Right. Uh, on that note, I will probably let you go because I've got an early start. In the morning, yeah, right? I've got to do some admin as well and uh, a few other things before uh, another day at the office, as it were, tomorrow standing and doing lots of I will of be uh, <laughs> utilising the art of uh gratitude in the morning when my alarm goes off at four uh, and realizing why I'm grateful for this beautiful uh, dark morning as I uh, navigate the stairs, try not to wake anybody up and getting in the car with my coffee at 4.30. So uh, Where are you yeah, you know, I'll be delving into every every tool I have in the toolbox in the morning. Where are you headed to today? Where are you headed uh, to? I've got to go up to Solihull tomorrow for a meeting. So I'll be there for 8.30. So. Good luck with it. Get some sleep. I will. Well, you too. Sounds like you uh, you need some. Listen, always a pleasure. Never a chore, my friend. I will see you same time this week. See you next time. Take care, everyone. You take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Mindful Past podcast with Nick Day and Harry Kalimnios. We hope you found our discussions insightful and hopefully you've gained some valuable takeaways to support you on your own journey. Please leave us a review on your preferred podcast platform and share an episode that resonates with you with a friend or family member who may also find it valuable. Please also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to ensure you never miss a future episode. And In the meantime, we'll continue exploring mindful path topics to provide you with more insights and more ideas to support you on your personal growth journey. Thank you for your support and look out for the next episode of the Mindful Paths podcast dropping soon.